WABC New York and 1071 WLIR Hampton Bays. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me, 5 o'clock. Good morning. It is Friday, September 22nd. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather uh, Center. Sunshine this morning, clouds this afternoon, high 72. That's about as nice as it's going to be for the next couple days. And then tomorrow, Saturday, rain on and off throughout the day. The high just 63. And then Sunday, yeah, more rain, high 65. If you're walking out the door with us right now, 55 and clear out in Amityville, out on Long Island, 55 and clear in Sayreville, down in New Jersey. And it is 59 and clear here in Midtown. So much to get to as we work our way up. Six o'clock hour, Sid and friends in the morning. The big story from yesterday is uh, just a god-awful one of this bus from Farmingdale High School out on Nassau County in Long Island. A group of kids, most of them freshmen, headed to band camp in Greeley, Pennsylvania. They're on a New York highway when the bus blows its front tire, careens off this highway down an embankment. Two are dead. They are the adult, uh, two adults, uh, five kids in critical condition. That's the latest number we're getting. There were 40 students and four adults aboard this bus at the time of the crash. The crash took place I-84 in Wayweanda in Orange County in New York about 1.20 yesterday afternoon. Imagine the fear, the screams, and the aftermath. When these high school students, many of them freshmen, were surrounded by this chaos. That's Governor Hochul, two adults, 43-year-old Farmingdale High School band director Gina Pelletieri and 77-year-old retired teacher Beatrice Ferrari. The thought is, as they were in the front of the bus, they were both killed. We'll get to their stories in a moment. Five students critically injured. Nassau County Executive Bruce Blakeman racing to the scene or nearby yesterday. Our students left Farmingdale High School on their way for a band trip, and unfortunately, the day ended in tragedy. Pray for their speedy recovery. The only advice I can give to anybody tonight is hug your children very tight. Life is very precious. Farmingdale student Anthony Eugenio, 15 years old, telling this really incredible story, a description of what took place. He says he was asleep on the bus when he felt a thud. A, a, a thud. He awoke to what he thought, he says, was a dream, but of course it was just a total nightmare. The bus, he said, felt as if it was tipping. Then he felt himself tumbling. He says, not sure how many times he tumbled as he tried to pull his uh, sweatshirt hood over his eyes to see what was going on. He heard yelling and screaming. He says the kid next to him covered in blood. He said he saw blood everywhere. He was able to crawl out of the overturned bus through a window. He says he was dazed, had a couple scrapes and bruised, but he said he was okay. But once outside... He saw that he was missing one of his shoes. He found that shoe. A backpack had been thrown somewhere. 
Um, back in Farmingdale, you can guess a word spread quickly because these kids all have cell phones with them. And the ones who were okay were texting their friends back in class at Farmingdale High. Hearing about that during class, like, yeah. So you, you, you see, like, someone put up on their phone, like, goes yeah. to person to person and, like, so the whole hallway dominates out. the hallway. We found out just somebody standing in our class and showing us the pictures and stuff. You know, it's not a great way to, to find out. You see, like, the panic, like, just through text. Like, it's hard. I said it's hard to put into words. And last night, about six hours after the crash, many of these kids who survived it from Farmingdale High, again, they were on to the, their way to just band camp, this great event that takes place each year. They were reunited with their parents, and you can imagine how emotional that was. There's no words to describe. I, that phone call, just my heart breaks for everybody in the community. It's tough. It's tough. But we got to get home because we're safe, thank God. But we're praying for the other families. Yeah. I don't know. It's just I'm glad she's here. She's safe. Um, just devastated about the other kids at that. The five other students, we weren't able to get updated information. The hospital would not give it to us. But we know that there were five students that were taken to Westchester County Medical Center, Garnett Health Medical Center in Wallkill. Uh, we don't not know. As of last night, they were telling us critical condition. Hopefully the updated version of that story will be something better than that. Uh, now we're hearing tourists about the two that were killed and just wonderful stories. One of the adults killed was 43-year-old Gina uh, Pelletieri, who was the band leader and um, director of the marching band. And one of these teachers, and maybe you had one of these teachers when you were back in school, just beloved by everybody. Everybody who was talking about her yesterday talked about just what a fantastic teacher she was. She was one of the most influential teachers I've ever had. She's one of the reasons that I come to school and get to places 15 minutes before time. She was an inspiration to me. She was always happy, always positive, always passionate. Yeah. Uh, And last night, there were kids who were showing up to support the kids who had been on the bus. A nice scene in Farmingdale, trying to give them hugs and support them. And they were talking about this band leader as well, Gina Pelletieri, and what she had meant to them. Everybody's pretty distraught right now. Doing as best as I could. Just dealing with it, I guess. I cried and hugged her. We all cried and hugged her. Her little brother's happy to see her. And we thank God that she's back with us. And I know her grandpa was watching over her from heaven. What's going to become of our band? It's been such a big part of my high school career. For our director not to be here anymore, it's never something I would expect. Who would take her place? I don't even know if that's possible. I, I really would like to go on my senior year, but seeing as things are right now, I'm not so sure. Yeah, just a tragic scene at Farmingdale High as they all try to support each other there. So, again, here's what we know. Investigators were on the scene overnight. They were able to pull that bus up from where it fell, tumbled off of the highway. The thought is, the initial thought anyway, is was that it was a blown tire. But, of course, they'll continue the investigation to see if there's more to this story. But the latest numbers, those two.
two adults killed, one a retired teacher, and then that band teacher you talked about, we talked about, and then five uh, students, as of last night, were in critical condition. WABC News Time 510. Let's go down to Washington, D.C. President Biden reaffirming U.S. support for Ukraine in its war with Russia. He hosted Ukrainian President Zelensky at the Oval Office for a bilateral meeting. This was yesterday afternoon. And earlier this week at the U.N. General Assembly, I made it clear that no nation can be truly secure in the world if, in fact, we don't stand up and defend the freedom of Ukraine uh, from facing this Russian brutality and aggression. Zelensky, meanwhile, thanking Biden and the American people for the ongoing military and humanitarian support. Mr. President, the brave people of Ukraine, and that's not hyperbole, the people of Ukraine have shown enormous bravery, enormous bravery, has inspired the world really inspired the world. And Zelensky was warning lawmakers that they would lose the war without more aid. Congress currently considering more than $24 billion in additional funding. That's what Senate Leader Majority Leader Chuck Schumer told reporters uh, after meeting with Zelensky on Capitol Hill as well yesterday. There was a single sentence that summed it all up, and I'm quoting him verbatim. Mr. Zelensky said, if we don't get the aid, we will lose the war. Then you had uh, National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan announcing this rolling out of this new package of military assistance. Above all, though, President Biden wants to use today to reaffirm his commitment, this administration's commitment, this country's commitment to continuing to lead the world in support of Ukraine for as long as it takes. And that's what he intends to do today. By the way, there is pushback from both sides of the aisle. You do have Democrats, more Republicans, saying they don't want to continue to aid this war, but not enough to overwhelm the others that say they will continue to fund it. Uh, Sullivan said the new funding would include significant air defense capabilities. The president is constantly speaking both to his own uh, military and to uh, his counterparts in Europe and to the Ukrainians themselves about what is needed on the battlefield at any given phase of the war and then what the United States can provide. All right, let's stay down at the White House. White House defending yesterday its border policies as migrant crossings are just surging. They continue to surge. Um, We have worked very hard. The president has worked very very hard to implement a strategy when it comes to the border that is humane, safe, and, and has orderly enforcement. That is something that we have tried to do and worked really hard to do these last two years. Press Secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre there says the administration has taken action, she says, to curb the flow of migrants into the U.S., but Congress needs to act, she says, to pass immigration reform. And let's not forget what the Republicans proposed. Their continuing resolution uh, would lead 800 CBP agents and officers being fired. But thousands have crossed the southern border and, of course, stretched personnel border patrol. That is what they proposed just a day a day ago uh, and that's what that would do to the to, to the border it would hurt and harm and not deal with the issue so they are doing the opposite of what the president is trying to do yeah she's blaming the republicans of course republicans blaming the democrats not a whole lot getting done in the process you had mayor adams uh, breaking down yesterday how many migrants can work after president biden sped up the work permit process for certain venezuelans the mayor 
actually took out a poster board yesterday to do the math, saying roughly uh, 45,000 people of the 60,000 in New York City shelters are still not eligible under these new rules. It was Venezuelans who came here before July would be the ones who would have their work permits sped up from what's the normal 180 days to 30 days. And every time I speak with the Simon Seeks, that's all they ask for. They've been asking. They want to work. They want to contribute to of the American experience and American dream. So he was doing this math on the poster board to show how many people in the city's care would actually be able to take advantage of this program. And if you take out the kids and take out the people who are not Venezuelan, it ends up being about 9,500 people would be able to work under this federal temporary protective status that the White House gave them as of yesterday. There's 9,500 people I don't have to find housing for. I'll take it. But I'm getting 10,000 a month and a substantial number are still in our care today. So, and then part of it is you have to get the people, the Venezuelans who are here, to sign up for this whole process. So Governor Hochul bringing in some volunteers, some lawyers to help these Venezuelans who are interested go through the paperwork to get jobs within 30 days. And this is going to be a very, very positive development for our state's economy, for these individuals, and our desire to start not opening more shelters, but starting to shut down shelters. Yes, yeah, so now they're trying to identify all these 9,500 people in their care who could take advantage of this new protective status. We can start to clear out the shelters and give them the jobs. And it also serves the purpose of meeting this demand we have from Republicans in every corner of New York for more workers that are willing to join our National Guard and literally go individual to individual, find out who's Venezuelan, Find out who's eligible and help them. Yeah, and that process is underway. In a moment, we'll tell you, by the way, these trains continue to roll in from parts of Mexico with thousands of migrants attached to them, many of them stowaways. We'll tell you what Mexico is doing to try to stop that. We'll do that in a moment. First 515, let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk. Happy Friday. Good morning, Justin Ellis. Happy Friday. Good morning to you, Noam Olayden. Start here with the Giants. Of course, they showed... There's quite a bit of distance in on-field product between them and one of the NFC's top dogs in the San Francisco 49ers, losing last night to San Fran by a score of 30-12 to on Thursday night football to drop to 1-2 and so far on the year. With the running game hampered by the absence of injured star Saquon Barkley and the offensive line overmatched without left tackle Andrew Thomas and left guard Ben Bredesen, the Giants struggle to move the ball at all and finished with only 150 yards of offense. Simply put, against a team like the Niners, that kind of production will result in a loss almost every time. Now with 11 days until their Week 4 Monday night football appearance, the G-Men have an opportunity here to get healthy and hopefully figure out some things on offense that have hampered them these first three weeks. Now looking forward to Jets action this weekend. Right now, the uh, Gang Green, I should say, two-and-a-half-point underdogs for their Sunday afternoon matchup at home against the New England Patriots. College football to look forward to this weekend as well. you got Rutgers in action tomorrow at noon. They're at number two, Michigan. Michigan are 24-and-a-half-point favorites in that one. Also at noon, you got four Florida State, one-and-a-half-point favorites at Clemson, 3.30 tomorrow 
afternoon. It'll be 19 Colorado at 10 Oregon. That's a matchup a lot of people are looking forward to. Oregon there is 21-point favorite, surprisingly there. Colorado 3-0 and on the year. 7.30 p.m. tomorrow night, UAB at number one, Georgia. Georgia, of course, 42.5-point favorites in that one. Uh, 7.30 tomorrow night, number three, Texas. They're 14.5-point favorites at Baylor. And wrapping things up. Uh, a good game tomorrow night, uh, 7.30 p.m., number 6, Ohio State, three-point favorites at 9, Notre Dame. Quickly here on the diamond, the Yankees beat the Blue Jays 5-3 to three to avoid a sweep in last night's series finale. They'll stick at home. Well, they welcome in the Arizona Diamondbacks next. First pitch for game one, scheduled for 7.05 p.m. tonight. Luke Weaver tapped to start there. As for the Mets, they lost to the Phillies by a score of 5-4 to four in the first of four in Philadelphia. We'll see if they can even things up tonight. First pitch set for 7.05 p.m. as well. Tyler McGill scheduled to take the hill. You know, I got something, an email from the Mets that uh, it's fan appreciation next weekend. Yeah. And uh, it said the first 15,000 fans get, you know, whatever they're giving away. And I was thinking, will there even be 15,000 fans? (laughs) (laughs) I think, honestly, people go, you know, uh, people like those nights uh, to bring kids so that their kids can get a nice little souvenir. Yeah, it's like uh, a backpack or something. Exactly, right, or, you know, a bat or whatever it might be. So uh, you might actually get 15,000 fans Hmm. just to get the free stuff. Okay. You know, looking forward to that, I guess. No, I'm elated. And if you need something to look forward to. That's sports on 77 WABC. I'm Justin Ellick. WABC News Time 520. The operators of a Mexican train. So they're no longer running into northern Mexico because so many migrants are climbing on board as stowaways. Uh, Congressman Tony Gonzalez said this is kind of a big deal, not just because uh, obviously... They don't necessarily want migrants sneaking in aboard a train, but it has an impact on the American economy because these trains bring in imports from Mexico. This border crisis, everything it touches, it impacts in a negative way. Trade and commerce is no different. And the thought in this that there's been a surge in these people jumping on these freight trains as stowaways is because they see there looks like there could be action on the part of the White House, on the part of Republicans now at the borders. People get more frustrated. He says, um, Tony Gonzalez, the congressman, that the impacts of illegal immigrant uh, immigration should bring the nation together. Instead, he says that President Biden is ignoring the issue. The trains have been bringing Central American migrants through Mexico to the Texas border apparently for a while now, but the surge happening in the last couple of weeks. I mean, there are auto parts. Uh, I mean, you name it. I mean, it's fundamental in our our economy. Yes, yeah, so it hurts the economy if these freight trains can't get here, but these freight trains don't want to bring these migrants in. Lots of people have been hurt holding on to the outside of these trains. It's something that should unite the country to solve this problem because this border crisis it negatively impacts everybody. Let's go back down to the White House. Uh, House Republicans, uh, the White House say, are marching the U.S. to a reckless government shutdown. They keep demanding more extreme policies as a condition to do their job and keep the government open. The House Republicans currently split over how to fund the government beyond the September 30th deadline. A small group of conservatives at odds with House Speaker McCarthy as they're demanding deep spending cuts. So, of course, the White House pointing at the Republicans saying they're the problem here. And they're failing to deliver needed funding for communities recovering from disasters to countering fentanyl trafficking for food assistance for pregnant mothers and babies 
and to support Ukraine. All right. They have till September 30th to hash that all out. WABC News Time 522, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration releasing the August 2023 Global Climate Report yesterday. In addition to a record hot August, there have been 23 disasters so far this year. That's the most events ever during a calendar year. NOAA's monitoring chief, her name is uh, Corinne Gleason, says eight newly identified events were added to the map this month, including Hurricane Idalia and, of course, that Maui firestorm. This brings the year-to-date summary total to 18 severe storm events, two flooding events, one tropical cyclone, one winter storm, and one wildfire event. Costs the economy like $57 billion. Not clear how they come up with that number, but we'll throw it out there. This August was the first August to exceed the one degree Celsius above average threshold and exceeds the previous warmest August, which was in 2016, by 0.29 degrees Celsius. Southeast U.S., no doubt you followed particularly hot this summer. Places like Phoenix never got below like 100 degrees for days on end. Louisiana, Mississippi, and Florida each ranked warmest on record for this month. According to NCEI's temperature ranking outlet statistical analysis, there is a 95% chance that 2023 will end as either the warmest or the second warmest year on record. And the thought is here is that next year will probably likely, this is the NOAA's forecast, will be even hotter than it was this year. 523. Congress is being urged to step in now, make major changes to college sports athletic directors, demanding changes to the rules that govern the paying of players. The current model is not sustainable and that we all desire to see student athletes competing under the same fundamental and enforceable rules. So they're asking the federal government to create standardized contracts, create a national registry of agents that they say would prevent kids from getting ripped off when they think they're making some sort of big payday. There's a need for a national clearinghouse or transparency into these deals that I think the federal government can be involved with. Sadly, there are countless stories of student-athletes and their families being exploited, deceived, and harmed for others' personal gain in these NIL pursuits. Yeah, we've been hearing a lot about this lately. you got to sort that whole thing out. 524, a half million children, families having their Medicaid coverage reinstated after a systems issue accidentally kicked them all off. According to the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, some states were improperly considering entire families as a whole without taking into account those with children have higher income thresholds. When states checked the systems last month, about 29 and Washington, D.C. said they had this issue. I'm Lisa Taylor. There's a new study that suggests a link between diet, soda, and autism. Researchers at the University of Texas Health Science found that pregnant moms who drank one can a day were more likely to give birth to a child who was on the spectrum. I would hope that moms who are considering becoming pregnant or who are pregnant would consider these as red flags of warning. Dr. Sharon Fowler says the study looks specifically at a sweetener called aspartame. It raises new questions about the dangers of the sugar substitute, which has also been linked to cancer and some other studies over the years. Even though we don't have 100% proof of causality, I would hope they would avoid using these products. Dr. Fowler, who was involved in this study, says even if it's not 100% proof, she says, you know, pregnant women might want to think about not drinking diet soda, at least during their pregnancy. Just to be on the safe side protect the children that they're carrying. 526, the building where the deadly Parkland school shooting took place in Florida 
it's going to be knocked down at the end of the school year next year. The school district provided an update early today saying Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School's 1200 building will be demolished immediately after the current school year. Officials say the decision was made out of concern for the well-being of students and staff on campus. The spot where 17 people were killed and another 17 were hurt on Valentine's Day in 2018 has been preserved as a crime scene while several trials and lawsuits unfolded. The structure will be emptied before it's destroyed. I'm Lisa Taylor. The trading week it is winding down, of course, because it's Friday. On Wall Street, after stocks closed lower yesterday on word that the Fed, uh, the Federal Reserve, that interest rates will likely stay higher for longer, while the Fed chose to pause its rate-hiking campaign that's been used to combat inflation, the central bank did hint that another rate hike would come likely before the end of this year. So at the closing bell yesterday, the Dow lost 370. 70 points. S&P 500 dropped 72. NASDAQ fell by 245 points. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me, 532. Good morning. It is Friday, thank God. September 22nd, your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Enjoy today because it's going to get ugly this weekend. Sunshine this morning. Clouds this afternoon, high 72, and then just kind of a washout for the weekend. Saturday, rain on and off throughout the day. The high just 63, pull out the sweatshirt. And then Sunday, rain high 65. If you're walking out the door with us right now, so happy you are. 55 and clear in Amityville out on Long Island. 55 and clear in Sayreville down in New Jersey. And it is 59 and clear here in Midtown. We'll start this half hour right here in the big city. The MTA yesterday unveiling plans to bring air conditioning to subway stations. No doubt if you're somebody who takes the subway with any regularity, you've noticed in the summertime or really, God, forget it, so many months of the year, you jump into that station and it's just hot as heck. And uh, in the summertime, it's brutal. So the MTA is starting to investigate how they could cool down those subway stations. Of course, the first thought is, that why did it take so long? MTA CEO Jano Lieber says they're requesting information on how to cool the country's largest subway system. We're not spending money on it tomorrow. We're starting to think. One plan might have uh, special cooling panels that could be switched on. Uh, riders, of course, always desperate for that train to come in because it's usually cooler, much cooler than the actual station is. Feels like I'm boiling in a pot of oil. Just can't really handle it, and it would give me so much joy if I was able to be cool here and in there. Lots of people saying, well, how will you pay for this? Others, more cynical, say, oh, wait a minute. Does this have to do with that uh, pricing you want to do, uh, with congestion pricing? Is that how you're going to pay for for the air conditioning, no word, no response from the MTA. By the way, the MTA chair yesterday, Jan Libro, praising the NYPD and its chief, Michael Kemper, for the speedy of arrest of a man who attacked a Bronx subway station agent last week. Thank God they caught up with this creep. The NYPD has arrested a fellow named Anthony Williams, who was um, who assaulted one of our station agents last week at Nareed Avenue in the Bronx. He's being held on $75,000 bail. Unfortunately, this kind of thing, people attacking MTA workers happens way too often. I I am not going to stand by when people are attacking MTA workers who are serving the public 
and especially station agents who have stepped out of the booths to provide more customer service. That's not going to be acceptable. Yeah, we told you earlier this week that MTA bus drivers regularly attack. So now they're creating these uh, essentially plastic shells that will cover them. So they'll have zero contact with riders. They'll be sealed off from them. And it's only because riders have been attacking them so often they feel the need to have it. So here we go with these agents now being attacked. They don't, of course, have that same protection. But thank God, again, they caught up with the creep involved in this latest attack. That offender needs not to come back into the transit system. Our station agents should not fear that somebody who attacked another station agent a few weeks or months ago is back in the system. And that does happen. WABC News Time 535, a one-year-old girl found unconscious and bruised inside a Brooklyn apartment. She has passed away. Cops had raced to this home on St. Mark's Avenue uh, following a report that there was a child inside the apartment. First responders located this one-year-old girl. They raced her to Kings County Hospital in critical condition. She was uh, pronounced dead. Neighbors want to know what happened. I'm feeling sad that uh, we lost a child. And I don't know the details of it, but it just hurts in our society that uh, we're losing children one way or another. Really shocking. I mean, if something like this happens to me, I'd be, like, really crushed inside. I would go into a deep depression. I would need some help. Police have now deemed the case a homicide. No arrests were announced as of late last night. A representative from ACS has provided a statement saying the safety and well-being of New York City's children is their top priority. And they say they're investing this case, investigating it. But they haven't told us if they were already investigating this case uh, involving this one-year-old. And while we're talking uh, tragic news, one more story. A bicyclist struck and killed along the Fort Hamilton Parkway. This was in Borough Park. Uh, this bicyclist riding hit by a school bus filled with kids yesterday. This took place about 3 o'clock, Fort Hamilton Parkway, 41st Street. Police say the bus had about 20 kids on board, collided with a 44-year-old man who was riding a bike. Police who live in the neighborhood, or rather I should say people who live in the neighborhood, wonder if the driver was speeding because they say so many others speed through this neighborhood. A lot of incidents have happened in this corner specifically, yeah. So a guy got hit by a moped uh, while driving a moped once. Um, yeah, it's um, a lot of people, especially at night, you know, less cars, you know, people take it as a, a racing Yeah, in the case of this bus driver stayed at the scene. So far, no charges have been filed. WABC News Time 539. New Yorkers reacting to President Biden speeding up the work authorization process for some migrants by granting them temporary protected status. It's for Venezuelans who made it to New York before July. Now they'll be able to get a work permit within one within uh, 30 days instead of 180 days. Uh, New Yorkers weighing in on this idea. If the, the migrants are going to use the opportunity to work, then I can hope that it will defray some of the costs. It is a start, put it that way. Hopefully it will be a little broader 
in the near future. Mayor Adams had been calling on the feds to make the move in hopes it'll get some of the migrants out of overburdened shelters, get them off the New York City's tab, off the taxpayers' tab for that matter. We'll see. Uh, it's only ending up to be about 9,500 of the 130,000 migrants that have arrived here. If you're giving these people something with a hotel room and now you're going to tell them to go out there and work for minimum wage, we're going to give you a work visa, where are they living in this city? He asked an excellent question. 540, Manhattan Borough President Mark Levine wants to tear down a stretch of the FDR. He and some other New York City, city leaders have proposed tearing down the elevated portion of the highway in the financial district and replacing it with a green boulevard at street level. Let's replace it with a beautiful new boulevard running from the Brooklyn Bridge down to the Battery Tunnel with multi-use lanes, lush open plazas, Direct waterfront access. Levine says the highway built by Robert Moses back in the 1950s has served its purpose. Now it's time to turn it into a park. And now Hudson River Park is one of the most beautiful public spaces in all of New York City. Now it's time to do it here, south of the Brooklyn Bridge, which is the least heavily used part of the FDR. 541. All right, let's go through some some bad news school teachers. (laughs) We'll call it the segment. Let's start with Long Island. A Long Island school teacher has been removed from the classroom after he may have been identified using AI in a To Catch a Predator. Do you remember that TV show that was so popular back on NBC? Well, now you have all these YouTubers who essentially copy that show where they catch people who've allegedly been reaching out to teenagers to have sex with them. And now... There is apparently a middle school teacher who works for the Herricks Union Free School District in Nassau County who might have been caught up talking to somebody he thought was a 15-year-old girl. We don't know this guy's name. We do know apparently he's a man in his 40s. And the school district has seen this YouTuber and the YouTube video, and they're pretty sure it is this teacher. Uh, you had some parents reacting to this yesterday. They figured out who the teacher was. I think it's horrible. Um, that's, you know, this whole discord and all this other stuff online is just terrible. I have six children, me and my wife, we have six children in the school district. Our youngest is, uh, eighth grade, um, ninth grade now, so he's, he's through to middle school. Um, a couple of my older children had that teacher, and it's just, it's awful. So the YouTuber apparently caught this teacher, but did not exactly know who he was, so he used AI to comb the internet and identify the man using a selfie he had sent and then handed it over to the Nassau County District Attorney's Office. Uh, they did not respond to a request for more information on this person, but apparently the school district taking action, taking this teacher uh, off the job, at least for now. By the way, I had a Hebrew school teacher that was caught on to catch a predator on the very first season. If you Google the name David K, it is the creepiest thing in the world. Uh, and I'll never forget the moment. I was actually watching the show at the time, just coincidentally, when all of a sudden there he was on the screen. So all kinds of teachers and this latest one out on Long Island. Now we'll go up to the Hudson Valley, Suffering High. Receiving a swatting call yesterday, it triggered this immediate, uh, immediate and coordinated response from the Ramapo Police Department. Uh, not clear what the threatening message was, but it was enough for the police to race to the school yesterday. If you're not familiar with swatting, it's when people who don't go to the school usually create this panic inside the school and um, or 
make it look like there's a panic inside the school. Usually there's not, and the police respond. So this took place yesterday and just interrupts the school day, and there was nothing going on at the school at all. The school was fine. Uh, parents, of course, freaked out when they got a message that something was happening at the school. I think you're idiots, and you better stop. Oh, and she's talking about the person who made the threat here. I think you're idiots, and you better stop. And if you have nothing else better to do in life, Go get a life, and maybe you need psychiatric help. <laughs> yeah, I think she's probably right about that. So nothing happened to the school. Everybody was fine inside. And usually, as is the case with most of these swatting calls, they have no idea where it came from. New York City Department of Sanitation Commissioner Jessica Tisch says 250 illegal dumping cameras have been installed across the city in an effort to clean up the city. Tisch says people who are caught on camera dumping trash illegally will now be given a $4,000 ticket. So we asked, where are the cameras? And she said, I'm not telling you. The illegal dumpers, I would say, it is just so easy to catch you with these cameras. It is a new day in the city of New York, and the days of dumping on our communities are done. Yeah, this is a huge problem across the city. The Department of Sanitation hopes these cameras will help out. 545, let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk where we find Justin Ellis. Thank you, Noel Millet. And Giants, they showed there's still quite a bit of distance in on-field product between them and one of the NFC's top dogs in the San Francisco 49ers, losing last night to San Fran by a score of 30-12 to on Thursday Night Football to drop to 1-2 and two so far on the year. With the running game hampered by the absence of injured star Saquon Barkley and the offensive line overmatched without left tackle Andrew Thomas and left guard Ben Bredesen, the Giants struggled to move the ball at all and finished with only 150 yards of offense. Simply put, against a team like San Fran, that kind of production will result and a loss pretty much almost every time. Now with 11 days until their week four Monday night football appearance, the G-Men have an opportunity here to get healthy and hopefully figure out some things on offense that have hampered them these first three weeks. Now looking forward to Jets action this weekend. Gang Green right now, the two-and-a-half-point underdogs for their Sunday afternoon matchup at home against the New England Patriots. College football to look forward to as well. Rutgers is in action tomorrow. Noon kickoff at number two, Michigan. Michigan in that matchup, 24-and-a-half-point favorites. Also at noon, number four, Florida State at Clemson. Uh, Florida State in that one, one and a half point favorites. 3.30 tomorrow afternoon. People are looking forward to this matchup. 19, Colorado at 10, Oregon. Oregon, 21 point favorites there. 7.30 tomorrow night, UAB will take on number one, Georgia at Georgia. Georgia, of course, uh, playing unranked UAB, 42 and a half point favorites there. 7.30 p.m. tomorrow night, number three, Texas, 14 and a half point favorites at Baylor. And wrapping things out, really, the game of the weekend, 7.30 p.m. tomorrow night, number six, Ohio State. They're three point favorites as they head into number nine. Notre Dame. On the Diamond, the Yankees beat the Blue Jays 5-3 to to avoid a sweep. Uh, they'll stick at home where they'll welcome in the Arizona Diamondbacks. Next first pitch for Game 1 is scheduled for 7.05 tonight. Luke Weaver tab to start there. As for the Mets, a loss to the Phillies by a score of 5-4 to in the first of four in Philly. They'll see if they can even things up tonight. First pitch set for 7.05 p.m. as well. Tyler McGill scheduled to take the hill in that one. Sports on 77 WABC Gnome. I'm Justin Ellis. All right, let's catch you up on the big stories of the morning. We'll start with this charter bus crash that took place yesterday afternoon along a New York highway, killing two adults, 
uh, hurting dozens of others. It was a bus carrying students from Farmingdale High in Nassau County on Long Island. They were headed to band camp in Greeley, Pennsylvania. This crash happened on I-84 in Wayweanda in Orange County. It was about 30 minutes from their destination. They were headed to Pine Forest Camp for band camp. There were 40 students aboard this bus, four adults aboard at the time of the crash. Imagine the fear, the screams in the aftermath when these High school students, many of them freshmen, were surrounded by this chaos. That's Governor Hochul, who was at the crash scene yesterday. Two adults, 43-year-old Farmingdale High School band director Gina Pelletieri and 77-year-old retired teacher Beatrice Ferrari were killed in this accident. Five students as of last night were still in critical condition. Our students left Farmingdale High School on their way for a band trip, and unfortunately, the day ended in tragedy. Pray for their speedy recovery. The only advice I can give to anybody tonight is hug your children very tight. Life is very precious. Nassau County Executive Bruce Blakeman there. Farmingdale student Anthony Eugenia, who's 15 years old, he was on this bus. He was asleep. He described hearing a thud, awoke to what he thought was a dream at first, but of course it was just a total nightmare. The bus, he said, felt as if it was tipping. He felt himself tumbling. He wasn't sure how many times he fell. He said his his sweatshirt was over his head, so he missed some of what was taking place. He said when he was able to sort of pull that hoodie down, he said the kid next to him, covered in blood. He saw blood everywhere. He was able to crawl out of this overturned bus through a window, dazed, thankfully just scrapes and bruises. Once outside, he said he was realized he was missing a shoe, but he did find it. He also found his backpack. Uh, back in Farmingdale at the high school, the kids knew what was happening almost right away because the kids who were on the bus were texting their friends back at the high school. Hearing about that during class, like, yeah, said you, you, you see like someone put up on their phone, like goes yeah. to person to person and like to the whole hallway, dominates out. the hallway. We found out just somebody standing in our class and showing us the pictures and stuff. You know, it's not a great way to, to find out. You see, like, the panic, like, just through text. Like, it's hard. I said it's hard to put into words. Last night, about six hours after that bus tumbled off the highway, the kids that made it through the crash okay reunited with their parents back in Farmingdale. There's no words to describe. I, Get that phone call. Yeah. My heart breaks for everybody in the community. It's tough. It's tough. But we got to get home because we're safe, thank God, but we're praying for the other families. I don't know. It's just glad she's here, she's safe. Um, Just devastated about the other kids at that. You can only imagine what those reunions were like. Victims were transported to six area hospitals, the Westchester County Medical, Garnett Health Medical Center, that's in Wallkill. Many of the 40 students on the bus were freshmen. Uh, the ones that made it out are okay, of course, telling these horrendous stories. And then we were uh, told more about this band leader who had put this whole trip together to go to band camp. 43-year-old Gina Pelletieri. She lives in Massapequa, but had been teaching at Farmingdale for a while. Director of the marching band. One of these teachers, you might have had one when you were a kid, just beloved by everybody. They called her Mrs. P. 
she has a two-year-old, a single mom. Uh, her interactions with students were numerous, and so many people have great memories of her. And, of course, just a tragedy that she's gone. She was one of the most influential teachers I've ever had. She's one of the reasons that I come to school and get to places 15 minutes before time. She was an inspiration to me. She was always happy, always positive, always passionate. Students in the band, parents of band members, praying for those lost. And, uh, of course, now wondering what's going to happen next. Everybody's pretty distraught right now. Doing as best as I could. Just dealing with it, I guess. I cried and hugged her. We all cried and hugged her. Her little brother's happy to see her. And we thank God that she's back with us and I know her grandpa was watching over her from heaven. What's going to become of our band? It's been such a big part of my high school career for our director not to be here anymore. It's never something I would expect. Who who would take her place? I don't even know if that's possible. Mm -hmm. I, I really would like to go on my senior year, but seeing as things are right now, I'm not so sure. Yeah, so sad to hear that kid. Investigators uh, remain on the scene. Were there overnight. They were able to pull that bus out of the ravine that it tumbled into. The initial thought is a front tire blue, and that may have been what caused the crash. But, of course, investigators will do a deep dive over the next couple days or so. We tried to reach out to the hospitals to see the condition of those five kids. We were unable to get an update. As of last night, we were told that they were still in critical condition. Now, I didn't really get to talk to all of them. Uh, one, like somebody, one of my friends, like his leg was all hurt. And the one that faces our buddy, she just sent us a picture of her in the ambulance, basically. Yeah, it'll be a, definitely a long couple of days, long couple of weeks at Farmingdale High. 5.55, while we're out on Long Island, something on a much lighter night note, one of the most popular sports overseas is actually coming to Long Island, Nassau County just won a bid to build a 34,000-seat cricket stadium in Eisenhower Park, and it's all in preparation to serve as the host of a venue for the Sports World Cup, which apparently is going to happen here in New York. So we're going to have thousands of visitors coming in. It's going to generate a tremendous amount of revenue. Uh, It's an economic boom. It's going to create jobs. And it's the kind of things we want to do in Nassau County. Nassau County Executive Bruce Blakeman says as long as required, the permit granted next month. Uh, what's that? You don't really? Know? You know what? In my neighborhood, cricket is a huge sport. And I. You live in Montego Bay? How did you know? Yeah. Um, and then, you know, they take over no, the bus. I used to watch these uh, guys in like white suits. Yeah, it's kind of fun. In Marine actually. Park. It's not fun. It's stupid. No, it. It, it, well, maybe I need to... T- uh, do you understand the sport? Oh, see, when you do stuff like that, I want to punch you across the face. <laughs> the soccer fans say the same thing. Right. Sid, you don't get it. I go, here's the deal. Put the stupid ball in the stupid net. No, no. There's nuance. No, yes. there's not. There's uh, nuance. Cricket, we don't care about cricket here. They can't make us care about it here. But well, the good news is all these migrants that come here, these illegals, they actually do care. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, 34,000-seat stadium. So that would suggest there's a lot of people who care about cricket, or why else would they build a stadium so large? Idiots. <laughs> you can't continue to cater to idiots. Well, you know what? You're going to have Bruce Blakeman on, I imagine, later well, I'm to talk so. about this But I really crash. want to talk about the bus. Of and, course, and, but on a lighter note, you can ask him, why are you building a cricket I will stadium? Ask him now. 
But of course, and then I'm you can tell him phony. he's a dope, and you want to punch him in the face. Well, I'm a phony, so when he comes on, I'll be like, "Wow, this is great!" <laughs> right? You know me. <laughs> I don't understand the sport, by the way, either. But I kind of like watching it. So this is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.